You're listening to The Martial Brain, the podcast that explores the intersection between the martial arts, science, critical thinking, skepticism, and that wacky organ that floats inside our skulls in a pool of cerebral spinal fluid, making life unpredictably inspiring, infuriating, and sometimes just batshit crazy. I'm Jeff Westfall for The Martial Brain. The Forgotten War. The Philippines, the USA, war, colonialism, and the martial arts. Part 20. Last time I began the story for you of Macario Sakai, who would later lead a Philippine resistance movement against the Americans, independent of the one run by Emilio Aguinaldo. We paused the story during the Philippine rebellion against Spain which happened before the Philippine-American War. That was when Sakai disappeared from the history books for a time. As we pick up the story today, the Spaniards have gone and the Americans have arrived, and there is now war between the Filipinos and the Americans. After an initial conventional stage in which the Americans decimated the Filipinos, the war became asymmetrical, a guerrilla war. In early 1901, while Aguinaldo was hiding in the mountains, there is evidence that Sakai joined a nascent political party in Manila. It was called the Nationalist Party, and its goal was independence from the United States. It was blatantly and distinctly separate from the efforts of Aguinaldo's government in exile in the wilderness. Now, political parties among the Filipinos were allowed by the American government. There was one called the Federalist Party that the Americans benignly encouraged. The Federalist Party was active in facilitating negotiations between the Americans and former insurrectos who wished to surrender peacefully. But once the Nationalist Party, which Sakai had just joined, came onto the radar of the Americans on the Second Philippine Commission, the investigations began. It was quickly determined that this party could not be allowed to continue publicly preaching and lobbying for independence. On November 4, 1901, the Commission promulgated a new law called the Sedition Law. Its language forbade Filipinos from advocating for any form of separation from the United States, even if the means was peaceful and political. Violation of the Sedition Law was punishable by imprisonment or death. Further language of the law defines sedition as, quote, anything that was in the spirit of hatred or enmity against the American people, unquote. It was now illegal to fly the Philippine flag or sing the national anthem. Within a couple of months of the passage of this law, the Nationalist Party disbanded and its members fled into hiding or were arrested. In January of 1902, Macario Sakai was caught up in this mass arrest. Not long after, in April 1902, General Malvar, the last man who had been a general under Aguinaldo, surrendered. Sakai remained in prison for six months until that infamous day on July 4, 1902, when Theodore Roosevelt declared the Philippine-American War to be over. Part of this declaration was an amnesty for insurrectos who were in prison, but who had not committed, quote, heinous acts during the war, unquote. 
Sakai was set free as a result of this amnesty. He promptly headed for the hills to begin recruiting an army. For four months after Roosevelt's amnesty, insurrectos who surrendered were still set free under its aegis. But on November 12, 1902, the Second Philippine Commission promulgated yet another law. This was the Bandolierism Act. Whether or not they still wore the uniform of Aguinaldo's army, Filipinos who continued to fight the American government were no longer considered by law to be enemy soldiers, but rather as bandits, or bandoleros. This empowered the Philippine constabulary to go after these freedom fighters wherever they were and whatever they wore. Meanwhile, in his mountain fastness, Sakai prepared for war and drew up documents, declaring a new Filipino government, separate from that of Aguinaldo. Now, of course, we already know that Macario Sakai was no fan of Aguinaldo's. When Aguinaldo was captured by the Americans, and after a month of being wined and dined by them, issued a formal declaration that all of his followers should surrender, Macario Sakai, who most decidedly had never been one of Aguinaldo's followers, declared that he was taking over leadership of the war against the Americans. On May 6, 1903, at his headquarters on Mount San Cristobal in Laguna Province, he proclaimed himself El Presidente Supremo of the, quote, Tagalog Republic of the Philippines, unquote. He and many of his followers affected a very distinctive look, growing their hair quite long. They formed committees and drafted a constitution. The Americans may have considered them bandits, but in Sakai's mind, they were freedom fighters, and he was a founding father of a new republic. They conducted guerrilla raids, stealing supplies and money, and evaded the American military and the constabulary for years. But the truth is that Macario Sakai almost surely began his struggle against the Americans much too late. Many Filipinos, especially many rich Filipinos, could feel which way the wind was blowing. They began to position themselves to gain favor with the Americans. There was still a small subset of the Filipino elite that backed Sakai, but over a two-year span he didn't make enough gains in manpower and combat victories to impress them that his nascent revolution could succeed. One day, General Sakai was approached by a Filipino nationalist and physician named Dominador Gomez. Gomez had been imprisoned by the Americans, but was promised early release if he would negotiate with Sakai. Sakai met with him, and Gomez pleaded that the armed struggle was actually hindering the cause of Filipino autonomy and civil rights. He explained that the Americans would not permit the formation of a national assembly until Sakai's armed activities ended and he turned himself in. After extended negotiations, Sakai agreed to surrender on the following conditions. 1. A national assembly be formed. 2. His followers would receive amnesty and be allowed to retain their firearms. 3. He and his officers would be allowed to leave the country. Gomez consulted with the Americans and came back to tell Sakai that his terms had been agreed to. So Macario Sakai came down from his mountain retreat in 1906 and surrendered himself to the Americans. 
To his surprise, he and his inner circle were invited to a banquet by the commander of the Philippine Constabulary, Colonel Harry Bandholtz. Sakai and his retinue attended the affair, but once there, they were immediately arrested and put in chains. The Americans and elite Filipinos went on with the banquet as planned, celebrating their victory over the gullible insurrectos. Makario Sakai was tried on the charge of banditry, convicted, and sentenced to hang. The sentence was carried out on September 13, 1907. General Sakai had these final words from the gallows. Quote, I want to tell you that we are not bandits and robbers, as the Americans have accused us, but members of the revolutionary force that defended our mother country, the Philippines. Unquote. Sakai's doomed struggle is a favorite story among Philippine nationalists and romantics. There are statues erected to him, and his life and struggle have been portrayed more than once in the Philippine cinema industry. His iconic long hair has passed into Philippine culture. People with long hair are said to sport Sakai's, in the same way we might say that someone's hair is styled in a mohawk. The death of Makario Sakai marks the end of the last purely political armed struggle against the Americans. But the Philippine Constabulary still had much work to do. And I'll tell you about some of that work in future podcasts. But next time, you may have been wondering what's been happening up to this point to our old friends, the Buffalo Soldiers. Well, I'm going to tell you. Anyway, that's what I think but I could be wrong. Let me know what you think, and check out old episodes of the Martial Brain podcast at my website, rpmartialarts.com. I'm Jeff Westfall for the Martial Brain. The Martial Brain is produced by Raging Squirrel Productions in association with the Rising Phoenix Martial Arts Academy. If you like the podcast and would like to help it grow, go to iTunes or Stitcher and give it an honest rating and review. Contact me with questions about the Marshall Brain or about the Rising Phoenix Academy at my website, rpmartialarts.com. <laughs>